With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, welcome back to the Villa View. It's time for the post-match pints in association with Purity Ale. If you use the code hashtag Villa View, you'll get 10% off everything Purity have to offer. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by Neil Dunworth from every Aston Villa pod this weekend in existence. He's even had to move out of his studio because he's done so many podcasts. Neil, you okay? I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I, I broke my studio, so... <laughs> I didn't break my studio. There's building work going on in my house, so... Um... I said uh, we we kind of moved out for a short period of time, but um, yeah. So I'm on assignment in locations unknown at this moment in time. I feel like you are being held hostage somewhere because you are talking quieter <laughs> than you than you normally quiet than you usually like, talk. Sorry, it feels like you're talking a like, lot like quieter. Like you've got to be quiet for for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's because uh, I'm I'm in I'm I, I'm staying um, in in my partner's parents' place and. I'm just afraid in case I wake anybody up because they're all gone to bed. <laughs> yeah, Neil has been held hostage at his in-laws by, by the looks of things. Think yeah, twice if you need rescuing Neil. We're here to talk about Brentford 1, Aston Villa 1. And to, to be honest, you know, I watched I watched the 90 minutes yesterday, yesterday from, my, from where I was staying. And I have to say, although I thought Villa ended the game really well, actually, I thought we might go on and, and sneak it at, at the end. I think that's a very good point especially under the circumstances of the way, the way the second half went. Villa, I don't think Villa were at it for probably 80 minutes of that game, although actually we did have some moments in the first half. But generally, I, I didn't think we were really at our best yesterday at all. Ended the game well, but to go to Brentford, who are a good side, especially at home, that's a good point. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's I was very buoyed by the fact that, you know, we we had showed character to essentially turn it on for five minutes because we weren't able to do that. And 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 I was delighted that Douglas Louise got the goal because he's been a real leader for this team during this 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 upturn. Um and, and as you say, a point, uh snatching a draw from the from the, the jaws of defeat is, is huge for, for our European 
credentials. And you know, if we if we get into Europe by a point, and we can look back at this game and say we had no right to come out of come away from Brentford with uh, with a point. Never mind, uh, you know, we we should have been three goals down. We should have been a three 0 last really. If you look at look at the chances they created, yeah, we come away with a one all draw. And, and you think back, Dan. I remember we did a podcast. Oh, many moons ago at this stage. We talked about, it was actually under Stephen Gerrard, I think, and we talked about the fact that, that um, Villa could either only win or lose. We couldn't draw. And we spoke about Brighton and how Brighton had something like 15 draws last season and it was keeping them like mid-table. Converting those losses into draws was something we asked for and we got a draw out of absolutely nothing um, against Brentford. And, and, and I think that's a, a great, po- great point considering... Only Newcastle and Arsenal have taken three points at their at their goal this season. Yeah, Brentford just seemed to to shackle us. We did, couldn't get Ollie Watkins in the in the game for love nor money. As as much as we tried, he was he's very much on the periphery all game. Like like I said, I think in the first half we we did a couple of things. Well, there was a couple couple of moments. McGinn curled, curled a shot wide. I remember Buendia went on a maze. He run with and had a shot with the outside of his boot that that went just wide. So you know we we did have a couple of moments. And in the first half, I'd say it was probably re- relatively even, but. Brentford kind of had a sus, a bit like us against Newcastle the week before. I think Brentford just had a good game plan that, and, that, and they managed to nullify us. But we did keep going in the second half. Again, maybe again, it wasn't against the run of play at the, at the time because we had had a, a strong five minutes, but we did manage to come away with what what is a, a very good point. What do you do? You think the reasoning behind the performance yesterday? You, you're not going to play well every every game, are you? You're not going to be able to do. It. You are not going to win every single football match. So. When we haven't won, the fact that we have taken a draw is a huge, huge plus, especially as Dean Avery says in the in, in the comments, still unbeaten. And that has been a that has been a bogey ground. Well, Brentford away has been a real tough place for Villa over the years, even in the championship, well, especially in the championship. Mm. Yeah, and, and good to see you, Dean, um as well. But I hundred percent agree with you there. Bogey ground, good points, still unbeaten, nine unbeaten. We spoke Dan as well, saying that. You know, ten unbeaten in the Premier League, and that isn't ten wins in a row. It's probably a better feat than ten wins in a row in the Championship. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think yourself and, and Greg Evans agreed at that as well when you spoke on the eighteen seventy four podcast, brilliant podcast last week as well. If anyone hasn't Thank listened you. to it, and I know you have, go, go back and listen to it again, um, because there's there's a lot of good stuff in it. But um, I, I, I agree with you on on that. And my big point is, my big thing with Brentford is the, and it's I hope it's something that we can get to. Um, over time with Unai Emery and I think maybe only we, we could now that we've got a game plan and we've got a, a system in, in place and we saw, we were searching for identity under, under Stephen Gerrard which we never got and now we have an identity Brentford have an identity and what like it just goes to show they're probably their most consistent and probably their player's player what I mean by that is the player if, if you were to ask anybody in the Brentford dressing room who always gives seven and a half out of ten every game never goes missing and it's always that dependable guy that you know will give you the ball, will take the ball from you and just keep the ball moving. They probably say Christian Norsgaard. They probably because he's just he's a linchpin in there. He just keeps everything flowing. He's a really good midfielder. He goes off on forty seven minutes and he was having a good game. Goes off forty seven minutes and Onyenya comes in and he does exactly the same thing. For for Brentford, yeah, so they're, that, they're a system team, aren't they? they Everyone really, can yeah. just come in and do a yeah. job. Maybe like we've been in in recent weeks. To be fairness, in fairness, with the way Den Donker came in last week against Correct. Newcastle, just fitted yeah. in and did his job perfectly. They've got some good players, Brentford. I got to say, I thought Embuemo was a, a constant threat all the all the way through the game. He's a player I think who just gets better and better every week in the in the Premier League. When I first saw him for Brentford in the Premier League, I was thinking, I'm not sure he's a not sure he's a Premier League player. 
but he's a constant mm-hmm. outlet for, for, for them. And he was, he was a thorn in our side where I thought he gave Miranda a, a difficult game. At times, and he was part of, of what pinned Villa back. Villa just could. We spoke about in in recent podcasts. It's amazing how the players pick the ball up in space. We we couldn't really do that against against Brentford on Saturday. We we really struggled to to, to pick the ball up in space and find players in space. And you know, when we did ever get anywhere near the goal, it felt like Ben Me. Hints of the hints of that Fulham player final where the crowd was just shouting "Ream" every five minutes. Mm-hmm. It felt like, very much like that yesterday, going up against Ben Meeks. He just seemed to be in the way every time we did get any anywhere near the goal. So it was a, it was it was a tough game for us, and you know I, I expected a, t- a tough game. We said in the preview myself and and, and Dave Reed that I think I said this actually that I didn't think Brentford would be on the beach. I thought actually they'll use this game to reset and and get back up for it and try and move themselves at the table. Actually, I thought. They were at it, Brentford, for, for a minute one. There, there was no way, really, they were losing that game. I, did, I didn't feel they, they came there to get, to get something. They were, they were at home to, to get something uh, at the week. I just felt they meant business for, for a minute one, and I knew straight away, mm, this isn't going to be easy for Villa today. This is going to be a re- really, really tough game. And you saw, you know, half-time Emmy Martinez goes off. I mean, we've done the backup goalkeeper to death. I'm not going to go into that t- today. But it was more the difference of what Martinez has done with his feet mm. recently. I really felt we we missed that because we, we couldn't seem to start attacks even in, in the second half and just Emmy's presence and him, him, him not being there. It was a, it was a real hindrance to us. And it, that was part of why I think we ended up a little bit deeper than, than we wanted, wanted to be. And Kevin Sharder should have scored yeah. a mistake Good player. From, from Olsen. Really, really bad mistake from him. And Sharder rushes, he's rounded him. He's done the hard work. I don't know why he... He must have just thought someone was going to come in on him. He couldn't believe his luck, and he's ended up rushing, and he's put it wide. So that was a that was a huge let off for Villa. But when their goal came from Ivan Tony, a rare switch off from Ashley Young in recent weeks as well at the back post, it did feel very much like that goal had been coming. Yeah, and and there's kind of two talking points within that you mentioned about uh, Emmy Martinez. Remind me to come back to the goal in case I forget to. But um, before I start rambling on the Emmy Martinez piece with his feet, and and I think that that's. That's that that is the talking point. The talk point isn't really you can talk about the shot stopping all you want. I think our defence were good enough to be able to limit the amount of shots or it should have been better even at limiting the amount of shots that the Brentford had, you know, and giving them open chances. Yes, you know, that shadow one that he had, that comes from goalkeeping mistake. Okay, we'll put that in a silo for the moment. You kind of we've been there before, you kinda of have to expect that from that goalkeeper at this moment in time. But defeat is the big thing. Because in recent times, and there are five five match uh, unbeaten run, and anybody who's listened to to, um, to to me talk with the game previously, like you you know that one of the biggest things that I found was we weren't able to play that diagonal ball out to our out to our fullbacks, and that is a high press mid block busting pass. So what it does is it shifts everybody to one side. It allows us to isolate people on the other side, which Emery has been brilliant at doing. It allows it allows Buendia to get into that pocket in the um, in around the half the the, the centre circle and the attacking side of the field. We weren't able to do that because we couldn't get the ball out. Like Olsen just doesn't have that in his arsenal. So it was either pass wide wide to the to the edge of the box, which pushes everybody up forward and really only allows you to 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 maybe go long or to go out towards the. Um, the right out towards the touchline, which also plays as a defender for them and almost limits the amount of where you can pass the ball. And it, it showed because we were very limited and we had to start going very, we had to start going long, but we were okay with it. I actually didn't mind how we adapted to that. 
Um, but what it is is it's the confidence that the that the, the ability to be able to to play your a your a game brings to defence and brings to midfield. You can see that confidence begin to kind of ebb and flow throughout that second half. Whereas even in the first half, we weren't playing well. Martinez was having a great game, and yeah, the really confidence was, so was still sure. there. Yeah, absolutely, he was. And then when you talk about the goal as well, uh, Dan, um, the goal was a goal we conceded at the start of the season. And this is why I talk about confidence levels. Ashley Young tries to, for whatever reason, he doesn't stoop and head that ball out for a corner. He tries to hook the ball clear with his right leg or something and misses it, and Ivan Tony gets in it. But the big thing here was the communication was lacking. I don't know whether the goalkeeper usually communicates in an instance like that, but what I do know is that Emmy Martinez loves to get to his back post from across like that as quick as he can. We've seen it a million times from corners. Martinez loves to make that move back to the back post. Olsen didn't. It isn't his fault that we scored. It's Ashley no, Young's not. fault. It's Ashley, Ashley Young's fault that he lost him at the back post, but... How do you let Ivan Tony ghost in at the back post is what, is what I'm saying. So where's the communication from the back line at that stage? You'd think that Ashley Young was able to pick him up. But the big thing here is we can talk about the goal and we're not apportioning blame uh, as much as we're, as we're talking about it here. The big thing here is that the team lifted themselves up off the floor, albeit it took them the 87th minute to do so. And we got the point when it looked like we were dead and gone. Yeah, we, we kept going, didn't we? I think on, the, on their goal, I think, it's a collective thing, isn't it? That back five have been playing together every week, probably the last four or five weeks since since Matty Cash has been out. So they're they're in a rhythm, they're in a routine. Communication will be a massive part mm. of that. They'll know where each other's going to be. Just and this is not Olsen's fault. Just by being him being a different character, just as it would be if any of the back four that had been playing came out and someone else had to come in, mm. you're going to suffer a little bit of a dip. It's not going to be the same because he's, Olsen hasn't been playing every week and that, that that back five would have been in a complete complete rhythm and it's a it's 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 a bad goal it's it's bad down the one flank really to, to let the cross come in and it's it's not great from 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 Ashley Young you could see in his reaction that he he knew he'd made made a mistake but it's it's one of those things you know again you're gonna concede a goal at some point we're not gonna just keep churning out clean sheet after clean sheet it's not gonna happen but Steve Deary says it past Villa teams would have lost that game. It's a decent point Agreed. in the end away from home. And we did keep going. I mean, it, in, for 85 minutes, nothing we were doing was, was really working. Emery made three three subs a bit like a bit like the Leicester, a bit like the Leicester game, wasn't it? He bought it was, I think it's the same three, it could have been the same three players that he bought on actually. Luca Dean, Callum Chambers, and, and Bertrand Traore and ended up coming on. But it wasn't Bertrand Traore changed the game. I actually think Luca Dean. Change the game, which completely validates what Greg Greg Evans said on eighteen seventy four. I thought Luca Dean was looked really dangerous down that left hand side, oh. and we kept patient. Brentford probably went a little bit deeper than than they would have wanted to, and you know we kept we, we kept coming for five minutes. We kept coming back. We kept coming back. We were playing so high. I think Conson may have even made a pass in the build up yeah. to the goal from, and he was probably 25, 30 yards from goal. So we at this point had pushed right up and were high, and it's a good ball in from Luca Dean. And what I will say is. One excellent composure from Buendia. He didn't ha- he didn't lash at it. He he managed to somehow give himself time and pick the right pass to to, to Douglas Louise after a bit of a, a bit of a bounce around. And from Douglas Louise, that is not an easy finish at all. That is that is a, that is a good finish first time. That that's that's not as easy as Douglas Louise has made that look at all. So I thought I thought from a goal point of view, it was a really good goal for Villa. And you know I've given Luca Dean some criticisms in in probably the last three three four months, but he did come on and I mean he got kicked in the face, and I've no idea how that's not deemed a free kick. That that's absolutely ridiculous. But for him to be involved in the goal was really good, and it's nice play from Buendia in the ways as well. 
Mm. I, I absolutely agree. And I think a lot of it goes down to Unai Emery as well because he took off Alex Moreno, who wasn't having his best game. That's okay. But the difference in the attacking style with Moreno trying to get around the fullback or trying to get around that defence, we couldn't get around that defence. That defence was staunch. It mm. really was. And we couldn't get around it. And Moreno was more of a guy who who was trying to do that, play the one two, get into the byline and cut it across. He's been superb at it, and he will be superb at it at the Craven Cottage if he starts. As we, as, Park, yeah. Sorry, at, at Villa Park if he starts. Dina being a different type of fullback, the stand and deliver fullback, as we've heard him called previously, he pumped a couple of balls into the box, which we weren't doing an awful lot of. And we kind of started to put them under a small bit of pressure because it's that's what that's where the ball came from. Was it look at Dean Cross? Ball, ball, he gets doesn't get cleared, bobbles to, to Bundy, and it was just a case of us getting the ball, getting bodies in there, and we did. And as you say, it was a fantastic finish. So Unai Emery deserves a bit of credit as well because we changed our point of attack because we couldn't get around the back of them anymore. We changed it to be that more mid-type crossing, and I liked it. And it is a time and a place for it. I hate when we do it 30 times in a game like we used to see sometimes under Steven Gerrard, but there was a time and a place for that. Yeah, and there's a, there is, but as I say... We got results out of it because Brentford were like, oh my God, it's a different point of attack and we have to set up completely differently for this now. And we got our just desserts. So um, a Brentford, Brentford's fans should have, felt, should have felt like we got a bit of a smash and grab coming out of that game. And that's, no, and that's, what, that's why I'm very buoyed about this as well, is that like, you know, for once it's us coming away from a ground and going, road our luck there, but we still we chug on and that's our blip out of the way, hopefully, for this run-in. Yeah, and it sets us up nicely for Tuesday. Obviously, a big home game, a game you, you think we can win at home to Fulham, although they've, they've picked up a couple of decent results recently. But you just chat, that, those subs just change things around a little bit. Then McGinn moved back in the middle, and I really like, I still I still think it's really clever the way McGinn seems to be the one who's acting as the, the deeper one in the two. He was involved in everything we good, everything good we did, sorry, mm. at the latter part of that game. And it's Louise who ends up in the box. I mean, over the years, that's not what you would have expected. You would have expected it to be the other way around under the, under the previous two managers. But it's not. It's Louise who's further forward and McGinn sitting back and kind of dictating things. And like I say, he was involved in every, everything, everything good that we did. The other thing I liked, and we've seen it in Premier League games recently, now, you've got a striker sitting on the bench and you're chasing the game 1-0. This just sums up Unai Emery. You've got John Duran sat on the bench. Mm. You think when you're losing a game, he's got to throw a striker on. He's got to throw the guy. He's got to throw the striker on, the big guy up front, surely. But he doesn't. He leaves him sat, sat down for, for, for 90 minutes. I've, I've watched Arsenal in a few games recently when they're, they're trying to go ahead and Arteta's throwing on all the attacking players. And I actually think it's made them worse. He didn't against Southampton, but it's actually, in the other two games, I think it actually made them worse having too many attacking players and completely ripping it up what they do well, completely going away from that at the latter stages of games. Emery made a subtle tweak in moving McGinn back in the middle, but he didn't throw that strike on. And we've seen Villa managers do it over the years, naming no names, Steve Bruce, where they just throw on all the all the strikers and you just you look hopeless because mm-hmm. you've gone away from everything that you've worked on and all the all the patterns of play that you're used to. And I, re- I thought that was really refreshing that he didn't just throw the, the striker yeah. on. He bought Bertrand Troy all around, who's been an impact player in, in, in recent weeks, put McGinn back in the position where he's performed really, really well. And we just kept, we kept, even though it hadn't been working, we kind of kept to the basic principles of what we're good at, if that yeah. makes sense. And that's what got us back in the game, not the fact that we had to throw on a striker and we actually made ourselves worse and end up losing the game. I thought that was really refreshing. If anything I've said just made sense, it made sense in my head. Yeah, no, you did. You absolutely did. But there must be a small bit of you that isn't a small that isn't a bit disappointed that Diego Carlos didn't come out as a second striker, no? 
those days have gone for us. I think. <laughs> I think. Has that happened again for us? Anyone else done that? Done, done that scene? There must have been Steve Watson. If I remember no, right, no, there must have been another one since since Chris Samba. He can't have been the last one. Someone's got desperate yeah. at some point and thrown another striker. Oh, since since Samba, must have done. We must have had another one up front at some point. We must have as right. Yeah, yeah. We I've got a ninety-seven, been. no, a ninety-eight, ninety-nine home shirt that I wore to the last home game with Skamecha on the back. And the only reason I've got Skamecha on the back is just as homage <laughs> to that that brief three-game period where he played up front for us because we didn't. We just sold Dwight York and we didn't have any strikers. So Skamecha played up front with Julian Joji. Right. <laughs> Okay, no. Do you understand what I mean with that? Where he the easy thing to do, and what most managers would do is he, yeah. let's put the big striker on. But he, didn't, but he didn't do that, and you end up salvaging a point from sticking to your basic principles, which I think is great. Yeah, yeah. And as you see, we spoke about Brentford being a system team. That goes to show that Villa are comfortable in their system. The yeah. system meant more to Unai Emery than. Um, than, than, than just basically a Hail Mary pass that he was trying for. He was willing to go out on his sword and say, I trust my system, and for us to lose 1-0, I trust my system, then for me to throw Hail Mary and everyone go, brilliant, he brought on, on all the attacking players, and they drew the game. And he was vindicated. And that's managerial courage. Here we go in. Anybody ever done a business course ever in their whole entire life? You'll hear about things like managerial courage and things like that. That's what he has. He just he stuck to his guns. And, and, you know, that's the difference between when you have a, a serial kind of professor of the game or, or somebody who's managed at the top level, managers in cup games and stuff like that as well. You need to have that, that, that set of steely, you know, balls essentially to be able to back yourself and, and, and to say, my, I know my training ground methods are right. I know what I'm doing is correct. And I know this team has a pathway to win this game. There you go. Now it's not going to always work. There comes a time when you get into the into the trying the same thing over and over again, and it becomes insane. The realm, is, the realm of realm of possibility, yeah, realm of possibilities. But in this instance, and in a lot of instances, Unai Emery has been proven right by doing this. So until you get proven until you get proven wrong, why doubt yourself? So fair play to. It's the same with the Leicester game. I guess we didn't dramatically change system even up against him. Any bought Bertrand Traore, or maybe shifted a few players' positions, but you know we won that game. Late as well, so that's you know three points really won in the last three three four weeks yeah. from positions where you know we've taken points that we maybe were fortunate to take because because he's made subs and he's he's changed something because Luca Dean was no doubt a, a huge huge part of that. And then we did kind of get some momentum and Brentford looked like they were they, they were struggling with us a, a, a little bit. You know we put that we put was it no Louise curled one. Wide, lovely little effort. Suddenly, he's he's very very confident. He curls one wide, and then the cross comes into Watkins. And I don't know whether Buendia Chelsea, but Buendia was in a, a better yeah. position. You know, we the ball comes in. Was it was that Luca Dean? Luca Dean again? For, for no, cross? I think it was from the right hand side. I can't remember. I remember. Right Actually, side. I think it might have been Chambers. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was it Callum Chambers from... again. I thought Callum Chambers did decent when he came on it. Yeah. Came on it right back as well. Callum Chambers swings swings across it, and then. I mean, in recent ways, to be fair, everything Watkins has hit has, has gone in, in, including headers. But if he'd have just left this one to Buendia, we might have been walking away with three unjustified points now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And and as we all know, Emi Buendia is lethal in the air for a man who's only five foot seven. Um, he has scored quite a lot of goals in the air. But look, I suppose if you're the main striker and if you're after scoring 11 and 12 and a ball comes in like that, you know, you think you're going to be able to guide it some way into the back of the net. But hindsight, I suppose, is twenty twenty, and we don't know whether he heard the call afterwards. But it's uh, a lot of cliches just came out of my mouth there. But, it really did. Um, 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, as I say, could you imagine the jubilation that we would have right now on this post-match podcast if it was 2-1 to Aston Villa? We would be sitting here going, oh my God, Brentford must think that they, you know, they must have broken a mirror at halftime to get that, that bad luck for us to score two in the last 10 minutes. It would have been up there with the w- w- Wolves scoring three in 10 minutes to beat us 3-2. Um, two seasons ago you know it would have been a real smash and grab and look put it this way I would have absolutely loved it because I'm an Aston Villa fan and I want us to get to Europe but I could you know it would have been completely against the script and it would have been a one in a million um, one in a million piece but uh, if you were to ask me what my opinion is yeah I think Eddie Brindia nods that in the back of the net if, he, if, it, if it's left him yeah, I thought Brendan was really good. I think yeah. Yeah. even when things aren't coming off for him, he's always grafting. He's always getting around the pitch. He's always trying to make stuff happen. He's all he's always loved. I think in recent weeks, I mean, Brendan has been low key, really, really good for, for Villa. I mean, like I said, I think it's a point gained for, for Villa. I mean, a lot of the times in in that second half, the only thing missing for Brentford was little, little Ginger Ryan Woods in the middle of the pitch, popping the ball around. Because I was starting to think. I hate Brentford. Why can't? Why? Why do they? Why are they always better than us when we go there? Well, why, I don't understand this. What? What is it about them that we just can't can't send to, to get one over them away from home? But we we rescued the point. And you know, looking at this weekend, just Spurs have been absolutely humbled at Newcastle today. Tells you what a job we did on Newcastle oh. that last week. But Liverpool have won, yes. But I, I think Liverpool will win games. But unfortunately, Brighton have gone 120 minutes and then not. Got, got to the FA Cup final. I think that's good for us in terms of it opens up seventh, doesn't it? If I'm if my yeah, maths is is correct, you know, you back us to finish in the top seven at the moment. Spurs are dropping like a, like an absolute stone, dropping worse than a stone. I don't know. I don't know if there's a phrase of anything dropping that that's, that's worse than a stone, but they are horrific. I tweeted earlier for them to be the most embarrassing team in London at the moment. It's some going considering yeah. what's happened to Chelsea this season. They are absolutely atrocious at, at, yeah. at the moment. Spurs. I mean, they made a mockery of what I said on the Athletic. On Friday as well, when I slammed the manager for not for rolling out the exact same thing that Conte does and not changing the system, and then he changed the system and they're five nil down at half time. So yeah, maybe maybe he knows more than I do. But yeah, for them to get smashed today, they're on the way on the way down. They've got no momentum whatsoever. Spurs, so top seven feels certainly feels doable. Top six feels doable. My opinion yep. is I think I think Liverpool will finish fifth. And then it's going to be out of out of us and Brighton. I think so I think too. If, if you look at Liverpool's fixtures, they've they've got on paper Liverpool have a decent run of run of fixtures, but you know they've to be fair they've dropped points many a time this season that you wouldn't expect them to do. But top six for Villa and Europa League football is very much on. It's very much on, and that point it just keeps it going in a in a positive direction. And Tuesday, Fulham at home, like I've said, I think that's a game Villa will be favourites for, despite Fulham's recent results. I would still fancy us to beat Fulham at Villa Park. Yeah, I think I think it's the definitive game of our season so far. I think if we get ahead of Spurs, Spurs obviously haven't played Manchester United. I think next, I think they play United on Wednesday. Yeah, then we play United on and Saturday. Watching them today, there's nothing that it's majorly a... scares me other than the fact that we're largely dross at, at Old Trafford. Yeah. But you know, there's nothing that nothing that scares scares me there as long as as long as Bruno Fernandez doesn't doesn't foul Concer and get Manchester United a penalty or VAR doesn't do his usual tricks. Yeah. Which, you know, there's nothing to fear. From and Manchester United watching them today. So these next two games, it's a good chance of six points as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, um, I can't remember what, what, what the rest of Spurs games are. I had it, I had it a moment ago, but it's, it's gone off the top of my tongue. But um, So, yes, we, we need to beat Fulham. We beat Fulham. It opens up possibilities. If, Spurs, if we can jump, leapfrog Spurs, um, it, it opens up possibilities then for us. Oh, there we go. So, yeah, so Manchester United, Liverpool. 
Um, Spurs having the next two games. By the way, where is Adam pulled that from? He's he's amazing. Adam is the, is just the best producer. Um, and you always say it, Dan. You always say he's the best producer. Rave about him week um, in, week out. Yeah, week in. <laughs> but you see that you've got United, you've got Liverpool, then you've got Palace. Who, who look, hey, their 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 Palace. Um, Roy Hodgson. Who, who knows what he's going to pull out of his pocket against them? But what I'm getting at here, then they play us. So we get ahead of Spurs. They get nothing out of their next two games. You know, it's it's really his game on. And I think if we finish ahead of Spurs, we finish in the top seven. It's as simple as that. We get um we, we get European football. I don't care what type of European football we get. Oh, if man. it's conference, if it's if it's Europa League, if it's Champions League, which looks slimmer and which looks absolutely probably honestly non existent now. It's still an amazing fairy tale story for the year. Amazing fairy tale story. Yeah, Europe look, Europa League's the one. If we can if we can get Europa League, Europa Conference, we should still be very, very proud of, of what we've done if we were to finish seven. But sixth is there to be got. If we get Europa League football, that is huge. That's mm. huge for the for, for the club, huge for the players. And it's you know, it's Unai Emery entering a competition that he's notorious in as well. And for us to be for us to be talking about it now still seems absolutely surreal because we've got no right to be in that position given the start we had to the, the season, given that we just decided to write off the first three months of the season, essentially. Mm. There's no way we should even be, be, be talking about this. But at the moment, I still think we're trending in the right direction, still got that that positive momentum and a few teams around around us, Tottenham are, are falling, like I say. You don't know what Brighton's reaction is going to be. They're a great side, Brighton. Thought it really good today. Really unlucky to lose on penalties. Felt really sorry yeah. for Solly March. He didn't, didn't deserve that. He's been great this season. But, you know, you don't know what effect that's going to have on them. So they've got games in hand on us at the moment. Liverpool are the ones I think, I do think they'll pick up and I think they'll nab, they'll nab fifth Liverpool. But if they can finish sixth, even seventh, that, that's absolutely brilliant. And to be in Europe would be would be unbelievable. Now, I'm going to let you go because you are being held hostage, obviously, at the in-laws, but I appreciate very much you joining me to have a late-night conversation. And thanks to those that have joined us as well, because Oak says Spurs will have another caretaker before we play them. I, that, yeah. I would not rule that out at all at the moment. They are a Tim Sherwood. club at the moment. Tim Sherwood, Tim, into Sherwood the, Tim Sherwood into the end of the season makes makes complete sense. Let's, let's make sure... That, that happened. So, yeah, the Tuesday fixtures messed up the Villa View a little bit. So, I think we'll probably do 1874 later on in the week. And I need to sort out the match preview situation. But I've been away over the weekend. So, I've not really had a chance to sort anything out. But as I say, thanks to everyone that's joined us live tonight. We'll let you know on socials what we plan to do content wise over the next couple of days. If you want to go back and watch every other Villa podcast that Neil's been on this weekend, then go and do that as well. Thanks ever so much for listening. Thanks to Adam, the producer, as well. And up the Villa. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.